going to turn to a passage of scripture which talks of what we remember today. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. And we're going to project just um, two key verses that I'm going to share some thoughts and reflections on. Obviously, we often think of uh, Christ's birth. We look into the New Testament in the Gospels. Um, but this morning, I'm actually going to turn our attention to the Old Testament and see a passage of scripture that points us and, re- and reflects on the coming Savior. So I'm going to preach from Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to concentrate on verses 6 and 7, which I think we have projected there. So um, just concentrate on these words, and then um, we'll concentrate on, on the two verses projected up there. So this is the prophet Isaiah writing some 700 years before the birth of Christ that we celebrate today. Prophet writes, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I'm just going to take a few moments to share some reflections as we look at those last two verses. But before I do, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we celebrate this morning the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that all of Scripture points us to him and points all glory to him. And I pray that you'd help us this morning, just for a few moments, to hear from these words written long before his birth even. Help us to see and celebrate the birth again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the passage I read has many, many reasons why we can celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, But we're just going to concentrate on those two verses, as I said. And there are ample ample reasons to celebrate even just those two verses. And we're going to focus on the name given to the child and the nature of his kingdom. The name of the child and the nature of his kingdom. Now, we see in verse 6, the name given to this child that we celebrate today gives us every reason to celebrate his birth. The prophet Isaiah highlights the name that's going to be given to this special child. And there are many names that we read throughout Scripture that are given to Jesus. Um, There are many more throughout the Bible. In fact, I love the, the Christmas tree that's in the Judson room. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's decorated with some crowns and they all have different titles that belong to Christ. So if you haven't seen that, I'd, I'd take a look after the service. But 
it's a, it's a great uh, reminder of all the accolades given to our Savior. But this morning, we just want to consider the four that we find in verse 6. And everyone has a reason for naming their children, don't they? And if, you're, if you've, everyone's got a name, I'm assuming. Um, no John Doe's here this morning. But there's a reason why you have the name you have. And there's a reason why you've been named that way. There may be that it's a family name, not just your last name, but the, the name that you have, your first name. Maybe it's been passed down through generations and it's a way of remembering uh, and honoring the memory, memory of others in your family. Maybe that there's special meaning behind your name. It may be an obvious direct meaning behind the name itself. Or it may be by association, something familiar or just unique to your family. Maybe an experience that you've had or it recalls a particular event and that name brings memory of that. It may be simply that you like the sound of the name, and that's a, that's a valid reason, a very good reason to, uh, to choose a name. I'm sure you can think of other good reasons why you might choose a name for a child. There's also plenty of reasons why you dis- discount names as well. Um, there are all sorts of different reasons. Uh, I remember my brother and I were told that there were various names for us that were discounted because my mum was really hung up on the abbreviations our, our, letter, our names would make, and they didn't want them to make uh, abbreviations that were associated with other things that were pop or known at the time. So uh, my brother was going to be uh, Paul Michael Gaynor, which is Postmaster General, PMG. Um, so that was discounted. I don't remember what I was, but there were, other, there were other names that were discounted as well. So we have seven children in our family. So all of those factors that I talked about were reasons behind we've, we've employed in choosing the names of our own children. The names given to this child in verse 6... They're, they reflect both a combination of his character and the title that this child, this role this child is going to fulfill. And we, we're used to that. We, there, are some, there are some examples around us that we're familiar with even today. Uh, when when Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, the Queen of England, when she was born in 1926, she was immediately born into a title. The moment she was born, she, she had the title Her Royal Highness Princess Elizabeth of York. That was what she was born into. And then later on when she was crowned queen in 1952, that was changed, so Her Royal Highness became Her Majesty and Princess became Queen. So that's one example of how someone may be born into a title. But another one which you may be familiar with as well, I grew up around comic books. I love superhero comic books, still do. And those comic books, the titles themselves would hint at what you would find inside them, the kind of excitement. So it wasn't simply the Hulk or Thor or Spider-Man. It was the Incredible Hulk or the Amazing Spider-Man or the Mighty Thor to give a hint of what you're going to find inside the pages of those comic books. And in verse 6 we see four names revealing the wonder that is in this child born to us. And it wasn't because God's indecisive, he couldn't choose the best one. It's because Jesus Christ, our Savior, is so wonderful that he needed four names to wrap together because one name just wouldn't cut it. One name wouldn't contain everything and truly reflect the fantastic life, the fantastic person that this person was going to be. So we see that his name is going to be called Wonderful Counselor. He's going to make wise plans. He's going to rule with breathtaking wisdom. He doesn't lead his, his people in any way in a reckless or foolish manner. 
He doesn't make rules simply for caprice, for his own benefit. He can be fully trusted that he is a wise and wonderful counselor. His name will be Mighty God. That's the title of the Lord God himself. We've heard through this Advent season here at the church, leading through John chapter 1, that this child will be both fully man and fully God. All the awesome power and might of God living in the physical world. But his power will not be constrained by it. And you can think, I'm sure, of many examples through the, through the Gospels of how Christ demonstrated his awesome power as God. His name will be called Everlasting Father. That's not the God the Father name, the Trinitarian use of the name Father, but it's to reflect a kind and loving name given to a king who protects his people not as distant and unknown subjects, but who calls them by name and cares for them as dearly loved children. So he rules as an everlasting father. And we see finally his name will be called Prince of Peace. His kingdom will not be one of constant turmoil or threat of attack from enemies or any natural catastrophe, but his rule will be characterized by peace and constant opportunity to flourish. Those qualities and roles all wrapped up in one baby that the prophet Isaiah foretold. Each name in and of itself would be good enough reason for us to celebrate this birth and the arrival of this child. Wrapped up together, we find an abundance of good reasons to celebrate the birth of this child, the birth of Jesus Christ. But the prophet goes on in chapter 7 to give another good reason to celebrate the arrival of this child. We, talk, we can look now at the nature of his kingdom. So verse 6, if verse 6 talks, gives us plenty of reasons to celebrate over the name of this child, verse 7 gives us plenty of reasons to celebrate over the nature of his kingdom. Let me read verse 7 just again. It says, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth, and forevermore. So we see in that verse that this kingdom is going to be an eternal kingdom of growing grace and goodness. It's not, that, it's not going to be the same in God's kingdom, in this child's kingdom, every day, one day to the next, as if somewhere, somehow, if this were possible, halfway through eternity, we, he might run out of goodness for us to enjoy, as inconceivable as that is anyway. Rather, this child has come to establish a kingdom that not only goes on forever and ever, but continually grows in grace and goodness to its members forever and ever. Each day, each moment in his kingdom is going to be better than the last. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Last Battle, the last of the Chronicles of Narnia series, once Aslan and his followers have conquered the enemy and have victory, and Aslan welcomes all of his followers into the new Narnia. There is this call and invitation to everyone. And it says, come further up and further in. And that is the experience of everyone in the kingdom of this Christ child. His kingdom, we're going to constantly be able to go further on, further up and further in, celebrating the limitless goodness and grace he affords those he welcomes. 
we also see that this kingdom is going to be an eternal kingdom of justice and of righteousness. This child came to establish a kingdom built upon and kept going by justice and righteousness, by fairness and right action. The very foundation of this kingdom will be what is right, right by his absolute and perfect standard. There will be no compromise with evil or wickedness, no blind eye turned towards wrongdoing, no corner of his kingdom that is allowed to slip into moral failure. It will be a perfect kingdom ruled by a perfect king who becomes to us as a child. But of course, that spells trouble for all of us, for you and for me. Big trouble. Because that perfect kingdom wouldn't be so perfect if you and I were allowed in just as we are to continue just as we are. That perfect king wouldn't be so perfect if he simply accepted us just as we are to carry on just as we are with our moral failings and our petty selfishness. Yet we can celebrate the justice and righteousness of his kingdom because the king doesn't simply accept us just as we are. Rather, he made a way to uphold justice and righteousness in his kingdom and at the same time extend mercy and grace to sinful subjects like you and me. Isaiah doesn't spell out all the details of how that's possible in these two verses, but he does go on to tell in a later chapter of a suffering servant, a lamb who will be wounded for our transgressions and for our wrongdoing, who will be crushed for our iniquities. And we know it is because Jesus died upon the cross for our sins that we can have forgiveness and we can now be welcomed into his kingdom, which we enjoy now as a foretaste through his Holy Spirit. And we will look forward to, we do look forward to, and will receive in fullness when he returns again. We see in these verses, the prophet Isaiah looked and prophesied to the one to come. At Christmas, we look to the one who came. He came as a child bearing wonderful names of promise for his people. He came to establish a kingdom that reflects his perfect rule. And he came to uphold justice and love, righteousness and mercy by dying on the cross, bearing our sins so that we can be welcomed into his kingdom. Now for all who would place their trust and their hope in this child, in this Christ Jesus, and seek to live in his kingdom by the grace he gives, he gives us every reason to celebrate his birth this Christmas. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for the abundant reasons you give us to celebrate the arrival, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We praise you for his glorious name and for all the roles that he fulfills. And we praise you for the nature of his kingdom, his perfect kingdom, in which we will enjoy him forever. Lord, I pray this morning, would you give us more of your Holy Spirit so that we would have greater foretaste of that now and celebrate you. In Jesus' name, amen.